Well, hello again, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30. This is the show taken right out of the pages of Storyboard Memphis, the journal that brings you Memphis stories, ideas, and connections in one place. And I am Mark Fleischer, publisher of Storyboard Memphis, and your host for the next 30 minutes of Storyboard 30. Before I introduce my guest today, I'm going to say one word, 1969. It's a year that can be framed by two events from the moon to the mud, uh, the moon landing in July, and the peace and love and music of Woodstock in August. Here in Memphis, our city was celebrating its sesquicentennial, its 150th birthday. Elvis recorded some of his biggest early 70s comeback hits at American Studios, a historic gathering of Delta Blues artists performed over a weekend at the Overton Park Shell, a group of developers laid the groundwork for Overton Square and TGI Fridays, and this, a group of actors and artists started an institution that we are celebrating this year and this weekend when they established the Circuit Playhouse at its first home in 1969 in the Memphis State uh, area of Bristol and Walker. And 50 years later, this weekend, I welcome into the show Executive Director of Playhouse, Michael Detroit. Hello. Hello. Michael, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. So this is quite a weekend you all have planned. Yeah, it's very, very, <laughs> very busy. But we've been busy for 50 years. So there's not a weekend that there's not something happening. The great thing about this weekend is that uh, it's a big homecoming as well. We get to celebrate where we've been for 50 years, what we've done for 50 years, and uh, and where we're going. And we've got literally hundreds of alumni coming back for this weekend from all over the country. It's great. It's so exciting and so many levels to celebrate this institution, and it really truly is an institution in Memphis. Agreed. I wrote about the fact that uh, to to last 50 years and to thrive for 50 mm-hmm. years takes a great deal of persistence. Yeah. I mean, it takes hundreds, if not thousands, of players to, Absolutely to be, right. to literally say that you can use the word players, mm-hmm. from sponsors to donors to investors to artists mm-hmm. to directors to prop I mean, yep. you, everybody you backstage, on and- in front of stage, in the house. You're right. It's a it's a very global thing in the in the microcosm of things. You know, it's it surrounds society, surrounds what's happening at Playhouse, and and we're so fortunate in Memphis. And we've been, uh, you know, a lot of there's a lot of things you know that we have to fix in Memphis, and that's that's a given. But there's so many great things about Memphis, and Memphis is unique in many ways when you compare our city and our you know surrounding area here in the mid south to other cities our size and one of those unique things uh, deals specifically with the arts and mm-hmm. how we we all actually get along I was at a meeting with folks from Memphis Travel the other day and with some of the other arts uh, leaders at a different meeting with our the cultural coalition mm-hmm. here in town I always talk about how all of the arts groups really get along in, in our city, which is not uh, the same in other large metropolitan areas. It's very competitive, but there really truly is this sense of rising water floats all boats, certainly between the arts groups in town. But uh, also, you know, that, that goes out into the other not-for-profits out there as well, too. We, we all talk to each other. We're all friends. It's, a, it's certainly a one degree of separation city here in town because we want this place to be a better place. And there's always a, something that we can 
bring some sort of instruction to or guidance to or exposure to. And we've been doing it at Playhouse for for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it actually started before 1969 when Jackie Nichols, who was one of our founding fathers back in the day, he's been our founder, you know, executive producer for 48 years. They started back in 1963 uh, before they became incorporated. And there was this need back then in Memphis for young folks to have a voice for all the stuff that was going on. You know, I mean, it was King had been, well, by 69, of course, King had been assassinated. Kennedy's, we had the Vietnam War, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the hippie movement, all of that was going on. You mentioned Woodstock. And there was really no voice in the city at the time. And Jackie and a number of his cohorts got together and said, "How we need to talk about this. And so they started this little theater company. Yeah, um, I was, you know, been fortunate enough with Storyboard Memphis to uh, published, you know, some of these stories. Yeah. And we're going to publish some more. Good. Um, but going back, I was interested to see the name Circuit and yeah. where it came from. Sure. These guys, Jackie Nichols and his and his core group there, were teenagers, mm-hmm. and they they basically adopted the idea that if we're going to put on these shows, we're probably going to have to go from venue to venue. Yeah, because they had no money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and since they had to hop from venue to venue. They said, well, we're going to play the circuit. And um, that's where the name Circuit Circuit Playhouse came from. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was initially the Circuit Players. Yeah. And then when they incorporated, it became Circuit Playhouse Incorporated. And that yeah. was in 69. Listeners might not realize, some of our listeners, of course, will know this, is that there's been multiple locations of that's the Playhouse. Right. One of which was uh, has been torn down just this past week, sadly. Mm-hmm. But the as I mentioned in the in the opening the first one was was out there at um, now U of M Memphis mm-hmm. State, and then the second one at I believe nineteen forty seven Poplar, correct, and then to I think it was Lafayette's Music yeah. Room that became the first official Playhouse on the Square. Right, we had Circuit Playhouse down on Poplar at seventeen oh five, I think it is uh, the Evergreen. What is the Evergreen? The Evergreen right now, right? Yeah, uh, and that's where we were when the folks. In Overton Square, back when Overton Square was hopping back in the the 70s, uh, approached Jackie and some of the board members and said, you know, we'd love for you to move your theater to our location. And Jackie said, no, we we don't want to because you're going to make us do more commercial things. And we were doing edgy things, which we still are, you know, Mm -hmm. that would – upset people and, you know, move the compass a little bit one way or the other. Uh, You know, we had done Boys in the Band. We had done Rocky Horror Show. We had done these shows that typically you wouldn't see in a southern city like Memphis, Tennessee at the time, certainly. Jackie felt if we moved to the square that we'd have to do more commercial material because of the folks that were in the square. So anyway, they, they talked back and forth. And finally, they decided, well, let's have two different companies under the same company, the same umbrella of Circuit Playhouse. So we had Circuit Playhouse over on Poplar. Then we created Playhouse on the Square, which went into the vacated Lafayette's at the time. Right. And so we had, we've had two venues ever since then. Another thing I had read about Lafayette's is it was, it was an awkward space for shows. Yeah. Yeah. The space was awkward. There was no (laughs) air conditioning. There was no heat. Uh, You know, there were rats. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a dump, quite frankly. You know, Uh it was, but you know, we're theater people. We've, (laughs) we work in dumps all the time. Uh, That's not true. But we, we went in because quite frankly, it was a great space. It had a balcony. It had a small stage. The setup is actually, was actually very similar to the way it's set up currently, Mm -hmm. just not as nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we performed shows in there that we should not have performed in that space. Like <laughs> way too large for that space. 
And we, uh, but we were there for a number of years and until we uh, grew it in 85, and that's when the Memphian Theater became available. Uh, when uh, Dan, It was a great story about Danny Owens, if you know your listeners remember a rather notorious figure in Memphis, Danny Owens. Yeah. Um, and his brother owned a lot of the strip clubs and porn clubs and things like that. And they had bought the Memphian Theater from the Lightman family who owned it. it was a, the, Mem- the Memphian Theater was part of the Malco chain. Putting it in air quotes, he, he wanted to make it an art house uh, <laughs> at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but as you know, often happens to those folks, he got in trouble with the law, on t- with taxes. Yeah. And looking for a way to get out from being buried uh, under all of that. And that was right at the time that we were outgrowing Playhouse on the Square that was actually on the Square, the old Lafayette's. And uh, so Jackie and a number of our board members, uh, Buck Clark, Gene Katz, uh, a few others, Nino Ship, got in touch with Danny Owens' lawyers mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, uh, we know you need cash <laughs> to pay your lawyers. Uh, why don't you donate half of it to us and we'll pay the, you know, the other half in cash? And that way you can get all the, you know, the good mojo you can possibly get out of your donation to a nonprofit organization. Right. And they did. It was valued at, I think, a half million dollars, $500,000. We gave them $250,000. He donated the other half. And, uh-huh. uh, we ended up with a great space. He's still in jail somewhere, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we've had a, a wonderful history of when a door closes another one opens and you know you mentioned our first space down uh, by the university of memphis that was a dance studio we basically got kicked out of that space mm-hmm. uh, because they were going to raise the rent and somebody else wanted to pay more and then the the space on on uh, poplar opened up and uh, over by the college of art did our stuff in there and then we got pushed out of there because they were raising rents and somebody else mm-hmm. wanted to come in mm-hmm. and Circuit Playhouse, uh, the old Evergreen Guild Theater down on Poplar and Belvedere, opened up. Uh-huh. And uh, so we took that, and then the door opened it over in Square. And anyway, you know, I don't believe that things are predetermined. Uh, you know, we make our own choices, but uh, certainly when a door opens, we have stepped through it. We've yeah. chosen to make that. In college, I, uh, I was in theater. So we, I did some community theater and some, some theater in college. And uh, I will never forget one of the, the teachers slash directors I had who would talk to us about two boards and a passion, that that's all you need to put on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, two boards as in maybe a, a board as in a stool or a board as in some sort of a backdrop or something. Yep. And then, of course, the passion part, you know, and that's all you need to put on a show. I certainly thought about that when I perused through the history of Playhouse mm-hmm. and Circuit Theater because – and the, the name Circuit is so so appropriate here because – of the moving around mm-hmm. and the and the, the the persistence that is required to really just keep going yes. and keep going, mm-hmm. you know, with something like this, it, it is. There's too many reasons not to, mm-hmm. you know, too many logical reasons right. not to, but uh, you know, a million reasons to keep pushing forward. So it's it's a tribute to the persistence of all the folks involved. Uh, you know, uh, thank you for saying that, and I, I totally agree. Jackie created something that was. Very special at the right time, at the right place. And he had been there for 48 years until he retired. I've been there for 30 years. I came in mm-hmm. in 1989 uh, as a resident company member at, you know, Axing Dance. And uh, my I had a year-long contract, which was a golden ticket at the time because I didn't have to go off and, you know, keep auditioning in different cities. Never intended to stay in Memphis, Tennessee. No, had no – had you asked me 31 years ago where I would be, <laughs> I would never have said Memphis, Tennessee. And I obviously fell in love, 
with the city, met my wife, had a child, got the two cars, the mortgage, the Hawaiian yards, and you know I'm still here, right? Thirty mm-hmm. years later, mm-hmm. as the executive producer. But but that uh, same motif has occurred many times in our organization. Whitney Joe who is our managing director, started off as a stage manager, as an intern, mm-hmm. um, has been with us for 27 years. Uh, Dave Landis, our associate director, started off as an intern. He's been with us for 29 years, 28 years. Uh, Courtney Oliver, also a resident company member, started off as an intern, has been with us for 16 yeah. years. Our theater education director, Karen Brill, has been with us for 40 years. So we didn't stay because we get paid a huge amount of money to do nonprofit professional theater. It's because we drank the Kool-Aid. We truly believe in what we're doing there. And we know that we're making a difference. And uh, and that's been you know the, the legacy that Jackie built uh, and that Playhouse, the part that Playhouse has played uh, for the last 50 years. And that's why we stayed. Um, and that we love the city. You know, Memphis yeah. gets in your blood. And I'm you know, proud to say I'm a damn Yankee. I'm from northern Michigan and I lived in southern California and I traveled all over. And here's where I've been now most of my life. And I love it. And folks, you know, are coming back. You know, I said there's hundreds right. of these alumni coming back. And one of the things they always say, a lot of them is, you know, we, we get to go home for a while. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been here in 20 years, 30 years, some of them, right? They're going to uh, – they're in for some surprises. Yeah, some changes for sure. Well, yeah. you know, you go home, things are always a little bit different. But uh, but the fact that they consider this place special. And, you know, now we have the opportunity, especially with all this momentum that's happening in our city, which is great, certainly with Overton Square, Broad Avenue, Highland Row, downtown, all these places – we have an opportunity moving forward now as our theater. And since I became the executive producer, we're really pushing forward now on making sure that it's not just about the Kool-Aid and the message. That's all there. We want to have the right people. But we want to make sure that uh, folks are able to make a living, mm-hmm. uh, that they get the benefits that they need. And so you know, we're pushing into uh, more into that side of having a, a paradigm in place that's very similar to your FedExes, your AutoZones, your IPs, where you want to attract people – uh, and retain those people, right? right. So we have yeah. to have salaries that fit that, benefits that fit that. Certainly, the the material that they get to work on is fulfills their passion, their desire, their two boards, as you said. You know, we yeah. give them those planks upon which they can build their career, and so that's our opportunity moving forward. And we're very excited by that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Storyboard Thirty. This is your host, Mark Fleischer, WYPL FM eighty nine point three. We are sitting down with Michael Detroit. He is the executive producer of Circuit Playhouse and Playhouse in the Square. And, of course, Playhouse is celebrating 50 years this weekend and this year. The uh, Going back to the whole idea of two boards and a passion, you know, being involved with theater, it gets in your blood. And when you talk about the Kool-Aid, yeah. it really does get in your blood and get into your psyche in the sense that the adrenaline mm-hmm. rush that comes from – preparing for a show mm-hmm. and it doesn't I don't think it really matters what part you play you could mm-hmm. be a stage manager you could be doing the lighting yeah. you could be in the workshop building sets mm-hmm. but everything is geared toward that opening night right <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the the adrenaline that comes from a live audience watching this production that you all have assembled yeah. You know, it really does get in your blood. And it, it it speaks to the folks that you have still that have been with the organization for so long. Right. Is like, well, once I'm in, I'm in. You got me. Mm-hmm. 
I could I could be working the ticket office. I could yeah. be working in the offices. I could, um, but I'm not going anywhere. That's right. Yeah. And you know, we've got a wonderful organization in that there are those opportunities. Certainly, we've got a, a very large um, associate company program, our intern program. Mm-hmm. We bring in 18 interns a year, and these are folks coming out of their undergraduate graduate programs in theater, where they really get to put their learning to the test. Yeah. You know, our internship is not about workshops or anything like that. It's like you're going to get your stuff and you're going to put it on stage. You know, you're, whether it's your acting or your designing, uh, you know, whether that's costumes, scenic lighting, whatever that happens to be, you're really going to put your knowledge and artistry to the test. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be here for a year and you're going to work your butts off and we'll see what comes of that, right? And mm-hmm. so we've had folks now, and as I said, you know, we've got all these alumni coming back. Many of them were our interns who went off to careers in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them did not. You mm-hmm. know, some of them went off and uh, did not have careers in theater, but it still is part of their life, still part of their blood. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this uh, innate desire for human beings to be in a room together to tell stories. And uh, the the artistry of theater is not a one-way you know, movement. It's not just the actor up on stage doing their thing. The audience is required for that artistic moment to happen. You have yeah. to have that two-way uh, street. Otherwise, it's a rehearsal, uh, which is great, too. And that's artistic in and of itself with that actor and those, those uh, designers. But the art itself, the art of theater happens when it's in a room, when you've got that audience member and you've got that actor up on stage uh, because there's that invisible electricity yep. uh, that's there. And it can change at any moment depending on anything that happens out there, right? The oh, yeah. audience member is different. The actor's different. The light falls. You know, it's uh, the, the power goes out. You know, <laughs> somebody gets sick in the audience. I mean, all this stuff can happen. Yeah. And it's brilliant. It's just – uh, and on top of that, then we get to have the opportunity to change the world somehow, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we get mm-hmm. to have a, a show that has a message that says, well, here's what we think you should think about. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's politics. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's just the opportunity to laugh. Uh, I always, you know, I taught it as adjunct faculty at U of M for, for 24 years, and I had uh, intro to theater non-theater majors. And I, I always tell the stories, you know, you go to theater, it's not always to be, you know, bashed over the head with some message. Certainly there are opportunities for that and it's very important when that happens. But sometimes it's just about fart jokes, <laughs> you know? It's like sometimes you just, you just need a you need a good laugh. You just yeah. need to go and and get rid of all that <laughs> stuff from the outside and, you know, and that's an important time too, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're very fortunate at our theater because we do 18 different productions a season. Right. We get to literally have something for everyone. I, I always, and my, my staff teases me, but I always say it, at Playhouse, we get to be the, the black, white, gay, straight, male, female, yeah. young, old, blue, red, gender-friendly theater in the city. We get to do something that has some reflection or message to every aspect of our city. That is, that is so true. I want to talk about Peter Pan for a second because, sure. of course, it's it. Here we are in November, and yes. um, it's Peter Pan season, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Peter Pan is partially responsible for the big playhouse, and I'm talking about the big one. I'm yeah. on the corner of right there on the what the northeast corner of correct of Cooper and and uh, and Union mm-hmm. because 
In putting on Peter Pan, it's no secret to those you know, to listeners that you need people flying. That's right. Right. Yeah, you have to have the And apparatus. flying requ- requires the rigging mm-hmm. and it requires what they call fly space. Right. And the old Memphian Theater, Circuit Playhouse, did not have that. Yeah, although we still flew. It was more like a pendulum. <laughs> it was like instead of I'm flying, it's like I'm swinging. You know, theater people were, were pretty crafty. They, mm-hmm. You know, they did Peter Pan down at Lafayette's and somehow they flew. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think they had a pulley and a rope probably. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But uh, And we did that with uh, at what we call the old Playhouse, which is now the current circuit Playhouse, the yeah. Olympian Theater. And that was – you kind of equate it to curtains. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you got the rope and the, it dragged them across the stage. Uh, but yeah. With the new Playhouse, certainly. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to build that, that brand new theater is because we had never had a state-of-the-art theater. Yeah. We had always been in converted movie houses, dance studios, mm-hmm. uh, attics, different places like that, which are great places for theater. But it limits you. And yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we had a state-of-the-art facility. And so, yeah, uh, you know, 15 years ago when we started raising money for this new theater – it was at a time uh, when we decided before the stock market crashed, mm-hmm. and it was a great idea. And then the stock market crashed, and we went, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Uh, but we had kicked it off probably six months before all the you know stuff hit the fan. And uh, to Memphis's credit, again, you know, we live in a very unique city, and I love that. Uh, to Memphians' credit, they still supported us to the tune of $15.5 million so we could build that – state-of-the-art theater, mm-hmm. create an endowment that was strong yeah. uh, to ensure that we had the monies available to keep the buildings open mm-hmm. and turn on the air and turn on the heat and pay some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, you know, we're moving forward now on being able to pay those people even more and mm-hmm. do even more programming, outreach. You know, our outreach programs, education programs reach about 30,000 children, teens, and adults every year. You know, we've got to have the funding for that. Oh, yeah. And so we're pushing forward on that as well. I have to say the, the, the space there at Playhouse, it manages to be both expansive, tall, but also very intimate. It's really – I mean, I've, I've seen my share of, you know, shows on Broadway and mm-hmm. even in San Francisco, L.A., and – it's it's really quite a space. I mean, it's it's yeah. intimate and yet and yet it's still expansive enough, and it's it's got enough of the fly space and everything else yeah. that you need to put on. And the And right it's not kind of overwhelming, shows. but great to be close to a stage. And there's yeah. not a bad seat in that theater. You are right. no farther away than thirty yards from the stage. Yeah. So uh, even if you're in that back row, it, it's a great place to to watch a show. And quite frankly, it's the same for the actors on stage because mm-hmm. you feel the audience. We see you folks when you're out there on your cell phone. <laughs> we see that blue light. We hear you when you're whispering to you, you know, that opening that candy wrapper. It's uh it's a wonderful place to to be in. We've been fortunate in all of the different venues we've had. You know, I, I cut my teeth at the Memphian Theater. That's mm-hmm. where I spent most of my career as an actor was on that stage. So many great memories. I, I got married on that stage. I had Oklahoma Sunday afternoon performance of Oklahoma Sunday afternoon. Denise and I got married on Monday night on the stage because that's our dark night. And then I had rehearsal for Godspell on Tuesday. Still waiting to take the honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) Going forward and also looking back, Mm -hmm. you know, I look at um, Playhouse being built in 2010, opening in 2010, Mm -hmm. when the rest of Overton Square was not what it is right now. Mm -hmm. And before the show, before we started the show here, we were talking about Playhouse being kind of the center for community development. So true because it's almost like a beacon 
or a magnet or a sinner or whatever you want to say. But it's it's remarkable that Playhouse has played such a huge role in the revitalization of Overton Square, Valley Memphis moving in, mm-hmm. the hotel coming, so on and so on. That's always been very important to us. And again, it's not just whatever the shows are about. It's about how we participate in our community. When we decided to build the new theater, we didn't know it was going to be across the street from our current theater. Uh, we didn't know yeah. it was going to be there. We were maybe going to go downtown. We were maybe going to go out east. And we said, no, really, we, we have to kind of stay in this particular area because yeah. of the, the material that we present. You're absolutely right. Overton Square was going downhill in the 80s. Things were not trickling down the way they were supposed to trickle down, according to what we were told. But we decided to stay. When we raised that $15.5 million and put that state-of-the-art theater on the corner of Cooper and Union, other folks in town took notice and said, well, if you can do that, we can too. Credit to Bob Loeb and uh, Loeb Properties and the folks that took over Overton Square from out-of-town hands right. who didn't give a crap about what was happening here, quite frankly. And they changed it around. You know, Bob Bob was on our board of directors for, for a while, and he said, once you put that on that corner, I decided that I can do some stuff with Overton Square. And, of course, the city went uh, along with us, got some federal money. They're over 95 percent occupied now. Now the last missing piece is that hotel. Yeah, which is going to be awesome in terms of what we can do, not just locally, because we'll be able to do more throughout the city, you know, North Memphis, South Memphis, go over to West Memphis. Certainly with our programming, we're in about an hour and a half, two hour radius with what we do. But we're really going to be expanding into the region in terms of making that an arts district because you've got Hattie Lou, which is great. As you mentioned, the ballet, our theaters, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to bring in folks from Jonesboro, Jackson, Jackson, Oxford, Birmingham, I would say West Nashville, Little Rock, Uh South St. Louis. Uh, Get all of these folks coming in. Of course, that's going to make the city happy because the taxes are going to be there. It's fresh money coming in. We'll increase what we call our BIS, which is butts in seats. We still have capacity. We know that uh, Hattie Lou still has capacity. The ballet wants that. And it's a great opportunity for the restaurants, the bars. You've got this wonderful park, the zoo, all of it. It just fits. Oh, it, it totally fits. And it, I sometimes refer to it, this is the C- Cooper Corridor, in a sense, because yeah. you go all the way down to Cooper Young. That's right. And you go all the way up Cooper to the park. There's so much going on. There's so much growth. We have a few growing pains, of course, but mm-hmm. there's so much to be said for the momentum. You know, you can argue that a large part of the momentum, as you've been saying, is is, is due to Playhouse and, and sticking to those those corners in Midtown. And, and that pervades throughout all of the arts groups in the city. As Playhouse does well, the ballet does well. As the ballet does well, the opera. As the opera does well, right. so does the Dixons. It pervades throughout. And we're very proud of that fact and the fact that we have such a wonderful core of artists in our city. And it's it's certainly music is there and certainly Beale Street and Graceland, very important things. But it's it's much larger than that. And it's in our soil. It's in our water. We're proud of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, whether you were born here or like me, moved here 30 years ago and decided to stay. We're very proud to be a part of that picture. 30 seconds or less. What mm-hmm. What's on tap for next year? I'll tell you, we've got some really cool stuff that's going to be happening with a brand new production that I can't give you too many details yet because it's not in a contract, but something that Memphis has never seen before that will involve country music. Interesting. Tease you with that. Interesting. Uh, I know we're a, we're a blues and a hip hop town, but and rock and roll, but uh, this will, uh, quite frankly, broaden our horizons a little bit. Uh, I've been up to New York three times here in the last year. We're seeing a lot of shows. T- TBA. We'll be announcing all of our shows in February. 
But for right now, come and see our holiday shows. We've got Peter Pan, Junie B. Jones, the musical, and the 12 Dates of Christmas. So literally something for everybody this season. For those of you who have not seen Peter Pan, and I know it's <laughs> it's the big signature of it and all that, but it, yeah. it, it really is. It never gets old. Well, and it's a new production this year. New director, new choreography, and oh, we've wow, added okay. more flying, different harnesses. So our oh, wow. acrobatic actors can do a lot more than we've been doing in the past. So, okay. Yep. New things. And not only will you marvel at it, but you'll inevitably somewhere in there you'll get a tear. Absolutely, I guarantee right. it. That's yeah. right. You're yes. gonna you're gonna clap for Tinkerbell. That's for sure. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Michael Detroit, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Um, some of you will, will hear this hopefully uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, and uh, you'll have a chance to participate in some of the events this weekend mm-hmm. that Playhouse is celebrating for its 50th. And, of course, ongoing, definitely check into Playhouse. The, on the, yeah, Playhouse on the org mm-hmm. for more information. Yeah. So, again, once again, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks again as well to Jeff Hewlett and his fine acoustic guitar work, to producer Vance Durbin and to WYPL broadcast manager Tommy Warren, to WYPL and the Memphis Public Libraries for their support, and to you listeners and supporters of the library and FM 89.3. We hope you join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more conversation with those Memphis personalities and shapers who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week.